We've spoken a lot on the Tech Emergence podcast of what the farther future might look like with respect to AI and neurotechnology and other various emerging technologies, but what about the shorter term? Not 20 years, maybe five years. In this particular interview, uh, I bring to the table Ayal Amir, who's an associate professor at University of Illinois in their Department of Computer Science, a PhD from Stanford in Computer Science, as well as his own artificial intelligence startup. Uh, in addition to all of that, he brings his business perspective as well as academic perspective into a realistic approach as to where have we really made the most progress overall and in, in relative perspective in the last five years in AI, and where might we make the most in the, in the coming five, and what sort of a difference would that make in terms of the application of autonomous cars, uh, software and social media, big data, and more. So if you're interested in the short term of AI change and the ultimate direction it might be bringing us in, You'll enjoy this episode, so without further ado, we will roll right in. So, Al, what I wanted to ask you first, I know that you're involved in uh, artificial intelligence in, in your own business, obviously teaching outside of Chicago, PhD, Stanford. Um, from your own perspective that's relatively in-depth, extends outside of the laboratory, uh, in the last five or ten years, what do you consider to be the most significant leaps that AI has made, if it's made any in your eyes? You know, where have we grown tangibly from where AI was a decade ago to where we are today, where we can really say that progress has been made? What stands out most to you? Right. Uh, I think that in the last five years we've seen in a bunch of technologies come out in the uh, industry that you, uh, several of them grabbed attention, uh, primarily the ability to detect um, uh, images and their content better, mm. and that was a great result uh, uh, from uh, work on deep uh, learning yep. and uh, deep neural nets. And um, besides uh, uh, those, so I mean, that in itself has a bunch of uh, ramifications, yeah, of course. Uh, from Right from autonomous cars uh, that are becoming more likely and more um, kind of in the foreseeable future uh, to uh, the ability to understand content, of course, on the web and being able to then uh, get more insight into the data that's out there. Yeah. Um, there's another kind of technology that uh, hasn't really... Um, attracted as much attention, but it is happening, and it's happening a lot in industry and academia, and that is the ability to connect uh, a lot of data together. Hmm. Um, so that is, uh, you, we see it in applications such as um, uh, advertising, where different companies, um, they uh, connect the dots between uh, who you are, what you're doing, where you're going, uh, and then match the right advertisement to what you're doing. And so uh, these, uh, this is just one kind of example. The, the more general implication is the ability to connect the dots between different pieces of data. And uh, there will be a bunch of applications that will come out of that, but we already see uh, a lot of this, you know, the, the term um, big data yeah, yeah, usually term, refers yep. to that. Got it. Okay. And and I've, I've heard the same notions echoed by a couple folks, kind of this bigger picture correlation kind of neural net deep learning 
AI sort of being being sort of in vogue uh, today and, and being responsible for those leaps in sort of the, the machine vision domain, you had mentioned advertising. I wanted to clarify that just a bit uh, on my own end and, and for the audience. Um, you know, I think some of us are familiar with, you know, Google advertising and Facebook advertising and the ability to retarget and to target specific groups uh, by selecting those folks. Um, so some of us are familiar with how tailored you can get with advertising on the web and how tailored the advertising we receive now is. You're, you're speaking about it on a little bit of a deeper level. So for example, if I select females age 35 in Minnesota uh, because I'm trying to sell some kind of a fitness program online, um, and I, and I want to retarget them from our blog site and send them to a video page, for example, part of me wouldn't necessarily consider that to, to be artificial intelligence, at least the way that I think about it. It sounds like you're speaking to something different. When it comes to advertising, how are those applications being made, that kind of bigger picture correlation, that big data, quote-unquote, uh, application to advertising? How does that intersect with AI? So, yeah. We need to understand that most of the time, the data is not actually available out there in the way that we think it is. Hmm. So, for example, I mean, uh, I don't know uh, if this user is a man or woman. Uh, I don't know uh, oh. what amounts of money she's making per year. I don't know where she's working. Okay. But I can you're coming through a little bit choppy here, Al. Um, are you connect the dots and yeah. say, well, she's likely working in banking because of the way she, uh, yeah, who she's friends with uh, or whatever else. So I apologize. This uh, internet connection is not very good. No, it's it's okay. Uh, you're coming I through. But this internet connection is not as stable as I. It's all right. You're you're coming through okay right now. So that was working out. That was working out reasonably. But okay. So what you'd mentioned, and I think maybe I'll I'll kind of clarify it. If you can walk closer to the router or whatever you got to do, go ahead. But um, what right. you had mentioned is that, and and this is actually interesting because I think it brings up some assumptions that a person like myself would have. Um, is that when when you target people, you know, working in banking or women or any of this. Although some of that maybe have has been submitted to Facebook in some kind of manual way where they're just sort of sorting through their library, what you're mentioning here, Ayal, is, is a bigger picture, which is that some of this information has been inferred about these people, and we've made decisions around, you know, whether or not they've had a child recently, whether or not they've moved recently, you know, some of this, or, you know, even, even things like gender, sex, um... Some of that is not necessarily submitted in a manual format where Facebook just pulls it up or Google just pulls it up, but is inferred via these deeper correlations and, and connections in data. And so when we think we're targeting a group, it's not like we're just pulling up an already set list. There has been a lot of machine learning to discern who this proper audience is. That's, that's uh, what I'm hearing you saying. That's right. Okay, got uh, it. There is a there are a bunch of uh, pieces of data that are out there, but they're all suggestive. Um, you don't know that this person is a woman or a man. I like most it. of the time. Su suggestive is the term. So, so these the these algorithms or applications of AI and machine learning, maybe neural nets. Although I'm I'm not an academic in AI and I'm, I'm tentative to to use particulars. Uh, but from what you're articu from what you're articulating. Um, these larger systems are sort of turning this suggestive information en masse 
into tangible information that allows us to put them in categories meaningfully in order to run advertising and facilitate commerce. Um, and, so, and so it's these big machines that are kind of crunching all that. Okay, so, uh, and, and it, it seems to me like that the, the machine vision and this same kind of big data uh, application in, in um, advertising, it sounds like they're both sort of tied to the same uh, correlative approach to AI of, again, the, the deep learning side of things. Am I mistaken in that assumption? You're totally right. They, uh, many pictures will say this is a man on a horse. Uh, you know, uh, many programs will detect that it's a man on a horse, uh, but uh, many of them will miss that it's actually a statue of a man on a ah. horse. <laughs> so uh, uh, they, there, are, there is a lot of uh, probability and statistics that goes into it, uh, all under the cover of machine learning. Yeah. Uh, but then there is a lot of other things that come together to help uh, make all those inferences. But at the end, they are all inferences. So when you, uh, one of the reasons that uh, autonomous cars are not there yet is because those inferences are not precise enough. Yeah. Uh, so you're not sure that uh, there is no child hiding behind this car. Yeah. On the side. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So I I I I dig that, and you know I think what's what's interesting to note is of course that when we're driving a car or we're looking at a picture, um, those are just inferences as well. It's just we we happen to believe that we're pretty good at it, and sort of on the aggregate, I suppose we are. Um, but but it's interesting to note that, and I'm not married to the you know our brain is a computer thing. I'm also not married to our brain is not a computer. In fact, I I just don't pretend to know because I think being agnostic there is sort of a, the safest bet and would make me the least the least the least semblance of, of ignorant. Maybe the least chance of being wrong. But um but regardless, I I think that you know it's it's interesting to note that when we're driving, we're making inferences, and so we're just talking about getting a machine up to the point where its inferences can be as good, if not better, than our own, whether that be for pictures, for navigation, etc. Right. Indeed. Right. Okay. And, Al, um, I'm interested as well, you know, as, as somebody who looks at where AI is applied in actual business, industry, commerce, someone who's kind of working on a, a startup in this space, um, in terms of where you see AI um, really hitting the ground running in the next five years, you know, half a decade into the future, where do you think... Uh, we'll be able to really tangibly see AI's, you know, uh, applications in the world even more so than they are today. Is it just going to be a continuation of what has already been the most impressive developments thus far? You know, the, the machine vision, the advertising side of things. Are there some other areas that are really going to make leaps and bounds? I mean, do, do you think, you know, the autonomous cars is reasonable within that time frame, at least on some level or not? Um, where do you think in, in the next half a decade ahead people will really be able to say, wow, AI is a part of our world a lot more than it was five years ago, and here's where, here's why. Uh, where, where do you think those changes will happen? So I think that we are going to see autonomous cars in, in uh, some shape and form. They won't be as we think, you know, of a car that just drives by itself uh, and goes and does grocery shopping for me. Oh, that'd be great. But... <laughs> That's right. Or find parking for me. You know, mm. you just you go home and let the car find parking. <laughs> yeah, go, park. go go park yourself, buddy. Yeah. That's right. So that's not going to happen uh, in these five years. But um, but we will see 
more of the lines of like cruise control um, that would be applied uh, more uh, more reliably both on freeways and some other where there are no kids yeah uh, and there are no uh, big risks there and you can expect the, the behavior of the world to remain somehow uh, under control so there would be that um, the connections of data points will uh, will lead to new applications I, I'm uh, I you know, I apologize for plugging uh, my company in there, but it's just one example uh, where you can connect the dots enough that you can create new applications, like knowing where right now there is a parking spot available in the street. Uh, so that there are no sensors, there are not enough sensors, and it doesn't make financial sense to put sensors everywhere, not yep. yet at least. Not yet. Uh, and so making those connections between uh, a bunch of data sources uh, leads to precise enough uh, information that people are actually able to use. Uh, so if you're not thinking about parking, think about like um, what is, uh, how long is the line at uh, my coffee place uh, down the street right now? Uh, or uh, does this uh, uh, store have the shirt that I'm looking for or where will I find right now I'm looking for a hammer which one of those stores has it the information is not out there uh, we would expect it to be out there but most companies don't have a lot of incentive to put it out there for third parties uh, but there will be the ability to connect the dots and infer a lot of that information huh. okay so, so so you think now this is kind of a consumer application that you know, being developed in, in, the, in the coming decade ahead or so, uh, folks will be able to um, convenience themselves via, as you had just mentioned, well, you know, who's going to carry this kind of pant, you know, if I want to go out and get some pants. Right. Uh, or, or yeah, right. like you had mentioned about a, about a hammer, where do I find this? Sort of like right now, you know, you ask Siri, where is a good sushi restaurant near me? And and it'll it'll right. know like like you had mentioned that's that's kind of bigger picture you know if it's a sushi restaurant and it has a, a Google Places listing or Yelp listing then it's pretty easy to discern. However, as you had mentioned there as well, most companies that are let's say a hardware store don't necessarily say, uh, oh you can you can check online to see our inventory and brands of hammers. Right. Okay. Right. And and you think that 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 will become more of a maybe a necessity or regular aspect of sort of um, of, of commerce that folks will will want to want to know that kind of information that degree of granularity maybe from their mobile phone or elsewhere yeah I mean this is uh, this is think about like uh, what would happen if instead of uh, going to Amazon on the web you could go to Amazon within half a mile huh. so uh, to make that happen, I mean, not you know, there's one way, which is everybody will pool together their information, uh, but uh, there are all kinds of forces and uh, things uh, that would that. give headwind to that. But perspective, uh, we want all of that information, and so there will be methods, and there are enough players that have uh, that interest to put together all of the data sources and infer that right now. You know, the price of an apple in this store is one and a half dollars. Uh, we don't, they won't have any incentive to tell us that, but 
we would be able to infer it. Um, Got it. Okay, now, so, so you could find you know cheapest cheapest groceries of X kind within my area, and instead of having to to you know go look in the window everywhere, which is a total waste of time, you're saying that that information could be inferred and pulled up for our own convenience potentially. Right. Got it. Right. Right. Okay. And so more more generally, I mean, what you see as the trend is that uh, there is a trend for um, different. Uh, pieces of data coming together and there is the trend that uh, we give uh, the computers a little bit more autonomy meaning um, we start trusting the ability of the computer to do basic tasks and have knowledge that we do not have uh, and once you start doing that, you allow the computer to make the choices for you. Hmm, and and how do you how do you mean this in the future? Are you talking about what will what will decide on for groceries, where we'll go for dinner, or what what kind of choices are you referring to? I'm I'm interested in this dynamic, but I just want to clarify. Um. So uh, the same way that we would let our uh, right nowadays we would let uh, our uh, TiVo uh, record things for us. Yep. Uh, that they that it thinks are of interest to us. Um, it would still record what we want, but maybe it will record some extras. Yep. The same goes with like, um, well, you know, make sure that my groceries uh, every week I want something. You know, the minute that you know there's this trend of Internet of Things, which brings together uh, information about your. Uh, the content of your refrigerator, for this example, yep. uh, then uh, your uh, favorite uh, grocery store would deliver what you need without you having to spend an extra hour of the ah, week. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're saying and that it, this, this enhanced degree of convenience in the trusting of the machines will only continue to step itself up and up and that that's, that's one potential application. I like that one. Okay, got it. Um, so, well, I, I suppose looking forward to additional conveniences of artificial intelligence is, sounds, sounds reasonable to me, I, although I, I imagine some folks might think that it comes along with certain risks. You get machines behind the wheel or you get machines to, to determine what you're going to eat and deliver it to you. Um, you know, as of late is our last question here, y'all. You know, and I've brought this up with a number of folks uh, with PhDs in the artificial intelligence world. Um, with, with respect to the, the recent um, kind of fearful quotes and, and concerns from folks like uh, Elon Musk and Bill Gates and, and uh, Hawking and whatnot um, around the, the real tangible risks of AI and really needing to kind of manage and bound sort of where this might uh, take us and, and, and what, what might happen if, you know, in, in the bigger scope and scale in the scary times when we're no longer the smartest uh, you know, kind of entity on, on the earth, you know, what's going to happen to us. Do, do you consider those um, those uh, sort of trepidations by, by some of these folks to be maybe a bit premature? Do you consider them to be really on point and, and, and worth considering? Do you maybe have a little bit of a different take on things? Um, what do you think about the recent attention sort of brought to uh, really ensuring that AI essentially doesn't, you know, destroy us all? Right. So, um, I think uh, that their concerns have some 
underpinning in reality, but uh, the that these concerns are um, really should be split, uh, meaning that yeah. How do you mean? Half half of the uh, really what what is happening and the trends that that uh, I was describing, they are because of market forces. The market forces that are happening, yep. together with technological advances. Um, so, uh, what's happening is, uh, you know, you could label it as AI, but really, at the end, uh, this will be uh, AI controlled by market forces. Yes. Yes. So, so, so really, that is that that together that poses some threats because. You or you know at, at, at least uh, right now we feel this as uh, the loss of privacy. Yeah. Uh, we you know and people could become accustomed to that or not, and uh, then there would be the loss of uh, the natural loss of uh, abilities. So in that respect, uh, if that's not the future that you want, then yes. Uh, then uh, it is quite uh, quite disturbing. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the computers themselves in the foreseeable future will uh, you know terminate us because they want to, but they may terminate us because some hackers wanted to. That, yeah, and I think I think maybe those are the concerns. You know, either AI doesn't explicitly have goals that are congruent with with our own, uh, or somebody who requires a lot less equipment than it takes now to build a nuke wants to build some kind of uh, uh, kind of malicious artificial intelligence um, you know in the coming decades ahead that may be able to control certain computers or embody itself in a robotic form you know if, if nothing else or whatever the case may be um, and, and may you know be able to um, whatever whatever the, the gargantuan fears are few of us know exactly how this would would roll out. Do you think that even that that hacker notion? Maybe it's not even just a bunch of hackers in a basement. Maybe it's a government. You know, uh, maybe maybe right. maybe it's uh, who knows? Maybe it's our own government. You know, <laughs> whatever the case right. may be. Right. Um, I'm not gonna. Which I'm not gonna say. Yeah, I know. I'm not gonna be like it'll it'll be the Russians. It's like, well, that's kind of silly. You know, it could really be anybody. So, um, right. you know, is is that is that reasonable to be hedging and bringing attention to that now or even then? Do you mostly see this as kind of you know, the big developments being more effective Siri, you know, groceries to your door. We're, we're not talking about, uh, like, the takeover is not this century, guys. Calm down a bit. Or or is it worth drawing attention to, hey, what are these governments up to? And is this going to take us in the right direction? And is this going to destroy us all? Is that a little bit too far, or is it worth considering today? Um, you know, that's a tricky question because... Sure is. Um, because um, you know, as as a technologist, and uh, I, I can uh, always feel, I always feel that uh, all of the naysayers and all of the the people that philosophize about uh, AI, they're kind of like uh, okay, it's kind of like a, you know dinner table kind of discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, rather than actually doing something. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, everybody can have the dinner table discussion, but only few can actually do. Mm -hmm. So, so there is, uh, there is, there is that, um, you know, there, uh, there is that source of concern for me about those discussions. 
they can hamper a lot of uh, good progress that could be made, uh, like uh, stem cell research or um, a bunch of things where, you know, yes, we, we have some reasons for concerns, but they are amplified um, and prevent progress more than they help. And, and I've, you know, interestingly enough, AL, just to... to kind of cross-reference this to make sure I'm picking up what you're putting down. I've talked to some folks, interestingly enough, uh, Roger Shank, who's uh, uh, like yourself, PhD Stanford, um, who who kind of, you know, there, he's, he's a little bit, he's got some trepidations around how much of an AI expert, uh, you know, Elon Musk is. And then I've had other very sharp AI folks who have nothing but respect for, for Musk's intelligence and in, even in this particular Domain. Do, do you see some of these moguls as maybe speaking, you know, not, I'm not going to knock any of them, but do you see them sometimes as maybe speaking a bit outside of their, you know, realm of expertise to the point where you said maybe it's more like a dinner table convo than it is a, a real scientific consideration of risk? Um, I have a great respect for all of them. So and, do I. Uh, and I think that the combination, as I was saying, the, the real risk is actually not the technology, but the combination of technology and market forces. Um, Elon Musk and, uh, and Larry Page, and uh, they all, uh, and, and those, as you're calling them, the moguls, they have much better perception of market forces uh, than than I do, <laughs> yes, uh, for, or for other sure. uh, AI experts have. Yep. Uh, whereas AI experts have more of a view of the technology uh-huh. side, that uh, the, tech, the the developments of technologies and what could be done and what cannot be done so Indeed. easily. Okay. Uh, so so really, it's the combination of the two, and you know, the two are looking at the two parts of the elephant from different uh, different sides uh, but of course you know my, my answer is a little bit evasive the, the answer is really you know I think the bottom line is that uh, Elon Musk's uh, opinion is very very relevant uh, much more so than you know your average uh, AI guy uh, not to say that the average AI guy doesn't know they know they just know other parts yeah they don't un- they don't see perhaps some of the market forces that are pushing things around. Okay, so so a consideration, you know, in, in considering the science of artificial intelligence and in considering how it might get applied to the world based on these market forces, in, in your opinion, we, we do have some some legitimate concerns. Uh, your, your preference, and of course mine as well, is that we have informed conversations around these topics more so than just uh, let's bash technology or let's hype technology conversations. Yeah. Great. That's right. And I'll cross my fingers that we did a bit of that today. So, uh, Al, thank you so much for being able to take the time and, and share some of your insights here on Tech Emergence. Thank you, Daniel. And that wraps up this episode on the Tech Emergence podcast. Thanks for being here. And remember to subscribe on iTunes to stay on top of the latest news breaks, researcher perspectives, and entrepreneur interviews in artificial intelligence, neurotechnology, and more. And we want to hear from you as well, so be sure to leave a review on iTunes, which are always appreciated, or contact us directly at info at techemergence.com. And remember, all of our entrepreneur interviews and interviews with top researchers from around the world, from Stanford to Oxford and beyond, can be found right on our main site at techemergence.com. 
www.thebestofintentions.com. Remember to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. So with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Figella signing off, and I'll see you next week.